So is anyone, anyone here uh, been in the armed forces? I know there's a couple, and you better stand up. So stand up if you were in the armed forces. Second part of this is if you're at home, stand up, because we're going to pray over you. And prayer doesn't have barriers, so if you're at home, I'm praying for you as well. And so I'd like to pray for you this morning as we start this part of our service, because I know that we wouldn't even be here at this point in time if it weren't for those that have served in our armed forces um, for liberty and for freedom. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray over the people that, that have served in the armed forces for our country, maybe even for another country. But Lord, the sacrifices that they've made, their families have made, their relatives have made, those that maybe we have relatives that have served in the armed forces and lost their lives, Lord, we just pray for everyone this morning that has been affected by the fact that we have freedom and liberty in our country. And so, Lord, we ask on this weekend that you allow us time of silence to think over the sacrifice that they have made. We pray for them as, as being in the military is, is not an easy thing. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for them and their service but Lord, we also pray over them that God, you would work in their lives in a mighty way, whether they're active duty, whether they used to be, whether they're related to someone in the armed forces, but Lord, we pray over everyone that this morning that God, you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for serving. I, uh, I think I've said this almost every year, but I have my grandfather on my dad's side and my uncle on my mom's side, both served in the armed forces in different wars, but uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. My name's John Mueller. It's a little different to see some of your faces this morning, and some of you that are watching online, I wish I could see your faces, and I know that will take some time, and so I'm just thankful that this week I realized that I'm not the only one, the only pastor that's weighing what do you do with church right now in the world, and so this is a time of recalculation. That's why this series that we're going through is perfect. We need to recalculate what it looks like to be the church. And I've had people say everything from, you know, you should just open up and it doesn't really matter what anyone says and then you should not open up. And, and, and I thought about it, we just need to give each other some grace. And so the reason I bring that up is the next two weeks we're going to cover the book of Philemon. And the reason we're covering it is it's a story of reconciliation between someone that has been wronged or someone that feels they've been wronged and another person. And we need to be a church filled with grace for each other. You know, I think of it like this, and I was going to bring this up next week, but I think of this, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. You know, you don't know what dirty looks you're getting under those masks, you mask wearers. Oh, wait, the people not wearing masks, they just give you a dirty look. You know, you don't know what's going on in our community. And so, I think that what we need to do is realize that we need to have more grace for each other. So I'd like to welcome you to our service, uh, Sunday morning service online or in person. And today we're going to be in the book of Matthew. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to hear about Peter, which Peter, my brother's name is Peter, but I'm more like Peter, the, the Peter in the Bible. And we're concluding our series called Recalculating. Like I mentioned, next week we'll be in Philemon for two weeks. What happens when Jesus tells you something you don't want to believe? You ever have that happen? You run the opposite direction? 
What response should we have when we make a mistake? This is, these are things that we're going to answer today. These are questions that I had as I read these verses. So if you have our app, you can follow along. You can click the link at the top of the feed. If you're at home, what you can do is you can click the link at the top of the feed on one device and then watch online on another device or a TV. So today we're going to talk about God's greater plan. Do any of you ever have racing thoughts where your, your thoughts are all over the place? Like they just go one place to the next to the next. Wait, I'm the only one? I know you guys are really quiet today, so we're just like, my thoughts race all the time. I have racing thoughts. I have a problem. I'm admitting a problem. That's the first step, right? I have racing thoughts. I've tried to slow it down for years, and I'm in a battle. I really am in a battle. When someone finishes what they're saying, you guys need to confess this, so if you're online, just, just look online and just raise your hand, okay? When someone finishes what they're saying, you're already thinking about what you're going to say next, right? Okay, come on. I'm not the only one, right? Oh, there's some hands raised. But the problem is, because I'm doing that, my mind's racing, I'm missing out on listening to someone tell their story. Or it might be an insight that I've ne they've never had before. It might mean that my mind is racing with negative thoughts rather than the ones that God would have me have. So what does this have to do with Peter? And that's exactly what Peter does here in Matthew 26. Verses 31 through 35 is where we're going to start, but he does exactly that. I identify with Peter in the New Testament. Peter misses God's greater plan, and so do we sometimes. Instead of soaking in what God is telling us, we start with our response, but God, and we keep going in that direction rather than just sticking with God. Wow, that's amazing. Peter thinks he knows more about himself than Jesus does. That's another mistake. That's something that really is kind of scary. And we think the same way many times, if we're honest. It shows up in how we interact with God. Peter will find out that God knows him more than he realizes. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. I'll read verse 31 through 35 here. And it starts with Jesus saying to them. So it says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. Who's the audience? Who's falling away? The disciples will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter, not waiting for any time, remember? <laughs> Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. You guys want to win friends and influence people? Don't, da don't bash all your 11 friends, okay? He's just like right in front of him, like, you guys are going to fall away, but I'm not. Hey, I'm, I'm better than you, right? Jesus said to him, Truly, I, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. It's very interesting. So I'm going to have you go into your imagination for a second. And I want you to follow along with me. This is the first scene that we're going to look at, and it's from the Last Supper. This is the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. The last meal that he had with the disciples. This supper was an intimate moment. Imagine with me for a minute. You're on pillows, sitting, eating off a table. Laying to the side, eating with one hand. 
and Jesus is speaking to you, and you are hanging on every word he says. And when you're doing this, he starts to say some things that you don't want to hear. He starts saying things that you say are not true of you, or at least you think so. And then you're hanging on his every word, and Jesus says, you will fall away from me this very night. And you're like, you get this confused face, and you're like, no way, Jesus. There is no way. There's no way. And you go, this isn't true. Jesus has been right about a lot, but this one thing, there is no way this is true about me. But then Jesus says even more, and you miss it, because we're, we're putting ourselves in Peter's shoes. You miss what he does right after that. He quotes Zechariah 13:7. Jesus is saying that he's going to be killed, and the disciples will, scattered, will scatter. And he's like, no. Peter's like, no, no, there's no way. He's still in that no way moment. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows us better than we know ourselves. It's simple. I mean, if we don't believe that, then then what is the point of going into the Word of God? If He doesn't know us better than we know ourselves, that's a one recalculation that we ignore as people. God knows us better than we know ourselves. His Word is still the standard. It is the mirror that we can see who we are. You know what? When I'm having a bad hair day, what do you do on a bad hair day? Guys, we don't really have bad hair days because we've got short hair, but, you know, ladies, you put a hat on. You don't look in the mirror. You're like, I'm not looking in the mirror this morning. I don't even want to see it, right? Well, let's not have a bad hair day with God here. Let's look in the mirror, the word of God. Jesus quotes this, this verse from Zechariah 13:7 that is prophetic about what would happen to the disciples later. But if you notice in that passage in, in Zechariah, it's, it's 13.7, and then 8 and 9, some of the sheep perish, but God renews his covenant with them. So there is hope there. There is hope. The disciples, I hate to tell you the rest of the story, they're all going to be martyred or exiled. Jesus was prophetic in ways they didn't realize at the time. He knew what was going on. God knows what our intentions are, what our thoughts are, and the emotions we feel. And that's pretty scary to most of us. Because when we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see. You know, there was a a movie that I can't recommend a while back called Shallow How. You guys guys are laughing because you might have seen it. And this woman... There's this thing where she's seen as like, this, this shallow guy sees her as like a supermodel, but she's really overweight, and she doesn't look good in the mirror. Let's just put it that way. Well, here's the problem. Sometimes we think we look great, and God says, no, you got more to work on. And we think we're something that we're not, but God is very clear here that he knows who we are. So when the disciples scattered, they, after the Last Supper, I'll give you the rest of the story. The the disciples scattered. God didn't come in and say, I told you so. Isn't that the most frustrating thing? He wasn't a know-it-all. He knows it all. So there's no reason for him to be a know-it-all as we know. He came in and he gave eternal life. And if you were in this room, this quotation would have shook you and the end would have shocked you even more. When he says, but I am raised up, I will go to you before Galilee. Jesus is going to be killed and then raised to life. This is a recalculation moment. The disciples from this 
Even though he's already said that that's going to happen, the disciples still didn't get it because Peter, all he cared about was that they were going to deny him. He didn't say, wait a second, Jesus, you said you're coming back? What? Like, what are you talking about? God knows us more than we know ourselves. He just didn't listen. Anything after the flock would be scattered, he didn't listen. And I think that's why we need to understand that God's plan is greater than our attention. God's plan is greater than our attention. If, if, if our attention span is eight seconds, like the most recent studies show, I probably need to do a dance up here and do a one-man band to keep your attention, but I can't do that. And so the only thing that can keep your attention is God's greater plan. But in this case, Peter even missed that. He lost attention, and then he got defensive. He got defensive really quick. Instead of trying to be the best at something, be who God tells you you are. Peter was trying to be the best. He's like, I'm the best disciple. I'm the only one that won't deny you. Guess what, all these other guys? They're going to leave you really quick. I hate to tell you. And he didn't even know about Judas yet. But the difference is, God tells you who you are. A sinner saved by grace. And grace is undeserved favor. You don't deserve the gift that God's given you. And it's through the shepherd, Jesus Christ, dying in our place. But the part Peter didn't pay attention to is that this is raised to life idea. It's the same gift that Peter was given that is given to us. Jesus was raised to life for you and I, and Jesus paid the price for what we should have paid the price for. I think what's interesting, though, in this is, is like Peter, some of us are, are living as if Jesus is still on the cross. Like right now, today, is still on the cross. And then we keep putting ourselves onto it, beating ourselves up, even though Jesus has already paid the price for our sin. Jesus never asked us to change our past. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus never goes to the rich young ruler and says, you need to change your whole past. He says, no, give up your riches and follow me. That's different, and that's a different calling. And so he asks us to change our present and our future is how we treat others and how we worship him. So the good news is God's plan is greater than our attention because if it was only the span of our attention that God's plan mattered, that would be really short and really small. But God's plan is greater than that. We might lose attention while God's still working. Have you ever, I mean, Peter did here. Have you ever done that? I, I, you know, like, oh, you know, I, 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 so many times, I'm just like, my head's darting all around, you know, racing thoughts. And I lose sight of what I need to have attention on. Peter, because he didn't hear that last phrase, is a little bit ahead of where the plan is at. He thinks that even if Jesus doesn't die, they have victory. But Jesus went to the cross because a price had to be paid for our sin. God's plan for victory is through Jesus. It's not through anything else. You know, right now, in the middle of all this, I saw, I saw a graphic recently, and it was all different opinions about what's going on in the world. And it had pastor in the center circle, and there's all these other circles about what people are saying to a pastor. And I identified with every single one of those statements. I've seen so many people say so many different things about what's going on. And I think the problem is, is everyone right? Maybe. Is everyone wrong? I can't tell you not to feel something, right? Isn't that, that that's pretty basic. But Peter here is actually wrong. He 
He's actually wrong because he thinks the victory is won and he wants to live victorious now like, I'm not going to deny you, but we're going to see really quick here that that's not the case. He would never deny Jesus, right? He would never deny Jesus. He had the guts to say this in front of the other disciples and just kind of like, hey, guys, uh, I know you would, but I won't. And it wasn't out of humility. Is Peter a humble person? I mean, if you look at him in the Gospels, he's not. Jesus gives us more details that Peter would deny him three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. That feels pretty terrible, right? I'm going to deny Jesus three times. Peter had more faith in his faith than he had in Jesus. If Jesus tells you something's going to happen, if he had faith in Jesus, he, it would have just happened. And you believe it would happen. So at this point he says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Did that happen? Anyone that knows this chapter in the Bible knows that that is not what happened. He didn't think the victory would come from Jesus through sacrifice and resurrection. He thought it was there now. So Peter fails in three ways. And I think this is important for us to understand. His condescension, the way he's condescending to the other disciples, he's just putting them down. He's overly confident in himself. Like, you know what? These guys will deny you, but I won't deny you to the point of death. Which ended up, he ended up getting martyred, but it wasn't when Jesus was put on the cross. And then that third part is that he contradicts what Jesus said. We need to be careful as believers to not contradict what Jesus says. He plays the game with Jesus. And you ever have your kids do this? You say, but I say. See, kids are in here today. So you say, well, Dad, you say this, but I say it's like this. I got a teenager smiling, so they know. You say, and that's what Peter is doing with Jesus here. You say, Jesus, but I say, and it switches and it pivots. Yet again, Jesus will be found to be right. And the rest of the disciples, not to be outdone, they say, hey, we won't leave you too. Come on. If Peter says it, we can say it too, right, guys? You know, peer pressure, let's do this. But God's plan for victory was clearly not seen by the disciples. We have 2,000 years from, removed from this story to understand that, that Jesus' plan of victory was on the cross and was through his resurrection. It says in verse 56, Then all the disciples left him and fled. Left him and fled. Jesus was left alone. It came true. And this is the same night. Do you understand? There's some prophecies that took hundreds of years to happen, but Jesus knew it was going to happen, and they denied it, and the very day it happened. I think God knows us more than we know ourselves. Like, I just, I, I can't get past that. They didn't stay. And then verse 56, or 58, Peter followed at a distance. So Peter kind of, he did have a little bit more faith. He kind of just follows from a distance. You know, it's like that curiosity kind of thing. It's like right now being in Walmart, and you've got to be six feet apart, so you're kind of like following at a distance, right? Okay, so he's a little curious. I really need to get over here, but i got to wait a little bit, and like I don't want to get too close to Jesus because they might know I'm with him, which is where we find ourselves when we go to verse 69. Matthew 26, 69. We're going to read there through verse 75. 
Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them, saying, I do not know what you mean. And he went out to the entrance. Another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a while, the bystanders came up to him and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Bitterly. Peter's the only one left. We have to give him some credit for sticking around, or do we? The first century culture here, this first person that comes up to him, it says it was a slave girl or a servant girl. And in this, in this first century culture, that's someone that's powerless. They wouldn't even be able to be a witness in a criminal case at the time. There's no reason he could be afraid of her. Even if she said something, no one would believe her. So why is he afraid? Her word didn't mean much, but Peter's word meant so much more. And Peter is actually on trial here. If you notice, Jesus is on trial inside. If you read the whole chapter, he's on trial inside, and Peter's outside, and he is on trial right now. He's on trial in the courtyard. Peter's response to the the girl was just as flimsy as, as someone saying, I do not recall. You know what that means? You're either really old, sorry, or you do recall, but you don't want to say so. Because whenever you hear someone, I don't recall, it's like, well, maybe I did forget. Okay, people do forget things. But Peter here knew his relationship to Jesus. It was a flimsy excuse. It wasn't anything that could be verified. You know, he obviously recalled Jesus. So Peter was the one who earlier that very night drew a sword in verse 51. If you go back to verse 51, he drew a sword to fight off a mob. And then Jesus is in chains And he's on trial, and Peter's hiding from a servant girl. How does someone that just hours earlier is willing to take a sword to people to defend Jesus? Why was he so afraid? What happened here? He was paralleling what happened to Jesus. But unlike Jesus being innocent of the charges, Peter was guilty. Peter was guilty, and he was lying on the witness stand. God's plan succeeds despite our failings. You ever feel like you fail something? God's plan succeeds despite our failings. We fail. As a human being, you will fail. After denying knowing Jesus once, it says Peter went out to the entrance. He was moving further away from Jesus. This is the equivalent of someone coming over to your house, and they're hanging out in your house in your living room, and then all of a sudden they just stand by the front door, right? They're further away from you. They're getting further away, and that's what Peter is doing. The physical distance mirrors the spiritual distance that's been created. When we fail and distance ourselves from Jesus, it comes from the shame of our sin. So when we fail, we commonly have one of two reactions. And I know I'm not the only one. Complete lack of conviction. We lose our conviction. We lose the guiding force behind our lives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Or we have a shame that's not from God, but from our own pride. Like Jesus said, I was going to deny him three times, and I already denied him once. And, you know, like the inner dialogue. Imagine his mind is still racing. Because Peter couldn't even wait for a sentence for Jesus to finish a sentence before responding. And he didn't listen to the end of the sentence. Peter shows this second type of reaction. He gets confronted again with a stronger response. He makes an oath. The Bible's pretty clear about oaths and that we shouldn't, shouldn't make an oath. It says, I do not know the man. He doesn't even have the decency to say, I do not know Jesus. He says, the man, as if there's more distance there. The second time, it was a servant girl. So why is he afraid? What is he afraid of? This is the recalculation. If you go back to my first point, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And Peter didn't believe that when this started, but it's pretty clear when he left, he did. He doesn't want anyone to know he was with Jesus. In verse 69 and 71, the accusation that the other people are bringing to him, it says, with Jesus. Jesus earlier in Matthew has some strong words for someone denying a connection to him. He has some really strong words. Earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, and it'll be on the slide here, but Matthew 10, 32 and 33 is very clear about where Jesus stands with his disciples. So everyone that acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. I will acknowledge them. But whoever denies me before man, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Wow. Can you imagine what Peter felt when this third group comes up to him? He was there when, this, when Jesus said this. Probably in the back of his mind. He's like, I'm a complete failure. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I so afraid? What's going on? Confused. All the other disciples have already left. Well, I guess I'm still here. Now, after two failures, Peter is closer to what Jesus prophesied. And in a difficult spot with his relationship with Jesus. At this point, the phrase, too far gone might be what we would use. You ever feel that way? Oh, that person's too far gone. We write people off, but God doesn't. So Peter continues. He gets confronted a third time. This time it's because of his accent. He's in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem they would add a different accent. It's like having a southern accent and living in New York State, or New York coming to the Midwest. Or You know, you have a different accent a little bit. But they know it's because of his accent. He was from Galilee. And why would anyone from Galilee be here in the middle of the night when Jesus is put on trial? Because Jesus was from Galilee. So his accent betrayed him. That wording is so true. If he was from Galilee, surely he would have spent time with Jesus. He was the most famous man of the time that spent their time in, G- in Galilee. So Peter starts cursing. And I don't re- recommend cursing, right? Okay? Let's just put it. He's cursing. And then he says, I do not know the man. Again, he doesn't say Jesus, he just says the man. Think about it for a second. If I came up to you and I'm your friend, and you see me say, I don't, I don't know the man. Like, like, like you go to jail for something, or you're on trial for something, I don't know the man. I'm denying that I knew this person my whole life, but yet they're the ones that I, I've spent time with and spent time around. He, he continues to, to distance himself from Jesus. But I can only think of one thing. 
You're in this courtyard, and everyone there wants Jesus on a cross. You're, this is the, the epicenter of persecution. This is the place where if Peter speaks up, he might be put up on the cross with Jesus. He might have that happen. So he's trying to save his own life. He's trying to save his own skin. And then what happens is the rooster crows. And you sit here, and Peter doesn't get it yet, but God's plan is going to succeed despite his failure. Peter failed, but God's plan of victory through Jesus still succeeded. But it doesn't end there. Verse 75. Peter remembered what Jesus had said. And it says he went out. He went out from the courtyard. He went out from the entrance. And he wept bitterly. That's a recalculation we need to understand. I think when we think that God knows less than we do, it's pretty clear that we'll end up where Peter was. We'll be in a position where we think that we can do more than God says we can do, or be more than God says we can be. God's plan in Peter was just starting. I, I, I think if you've, if you've read the books, book of Acts, which follows in the timeline, Peter was the rock in which God built his church. At that same time that Peter denied knowing or having any contact with Jesus, but then he repented. He turned from his ways and went towards Jesus, and he went out, and he wept bitterly. That was repentance. It doesn't end there, though. Peter preaches at Pentecost, and when Peter preaches at Pentecost, the response of the people there was this. It's in Acts. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Acts chapter 2. And, it, and it, God's plan succeeded despite the failings of Peter. Any of you watching here today, have you ever felt like a failure? Because I know I have. But God's plan succeeded despite the failings of Peter, and it can succeed despite your failings in life. And, and you could argue that it succeeded because of his failures. He repented, he became a leader in the church, he was restored. But if we believe that we're too far gone with Jesus, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Simple as that. There is no one too far gone. There's always consequences for sin. But... It also means that Jesus will receive the repentant heart. And then this time that I've had a lot of time to reflect, there's one verse that I hold strongly to in this moment where there's a lot of fear in the world and different ideas and, and different viewpoints on things. It's 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Peter that day knew, even though 1 John was written later, knew that's what the gospel is. That if he repented, he could become who Jesus said he was going to become. And this time, we need to recalculate how we approach our failures. You know, my biggest struggle in this, in this time of of adjustment and disruption has been what I have an expectation of productivity. And I've come to grips with, in this time, the recalculation that needs to happen and that Peter had here 
is not that you get stuff done like you always did. It's that your life is fruitful and more fruitful than it was before. That you are pursuing Jesus because Jesus was victorious, is victorious, and will be victorious. He's secured for us eternal life. He's been raised to life after being sacrificed for us. And so that victory that Peter thought he had, it wasn't there yet. But when it was, he went on Pentecost and preached a sermon that many people came to faith. So what this morning? If you're watching online, think about this. God knows you better than you know yourself. God just knows us better than we know ourselves. Simple. If you're here with me this morning, there's times where you're like, I just don't get it. Why am I in the same problem, the same situation that I was last week? Why am I continuing to do this? Why am I I frustrated and angry all the time? What is inside of me? And I want to tell you, God knows what's inside of you. And he wants you to be loved and healed from that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so what? So God's plan is greater than our attention. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that it is longer than our attention. That God's plan is not an eight-second plan. It's a plan for eternity. And so we will never be able to give enough attention to it in our entire lives. So every day of your life, if you focused entirely on God's plan, you still would not see all of it. God's plan is greater than our attention. Victory is found in Jesus, and and it succeeds despite our failings. Imagine if the plan for Jesus was, well, if John Mueller does blankety-blank-blank, my plan will succeed. And then I just fail. Like, whoa. Like, do you want that weight on your shoulders? It's already been taken by Jesus on the cross. The burdens that you have right now, the burdens that you have to do good or do something specific, Jesus took that on the cross. I'm, I'm thankful. That's where I'm at. In church, I am so thankful that God succeeds despite our failings. And receives us, even if we fail. I'm going to pray this morning, and we're going to continue to worship. And this song that we're going to sing, it's called It Is Well. Because right now in the world, there's a lot of things that we don't feel are well. We don't feel this way. But it is well. Nothing has changed regarding what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Nothing has changed about his resurrection. So let's pray as we pray together. Would you stand with me? Since it's Memorial Day, we might as well stand. We've been sitting for a while. And if you're at home, stand up. See, you might be sitting on your couch. Stand up. And we're going to sing a song together after I pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just ask, help us to recalculate our lives. God, help us to live knowing that you know more about us than we know about ourselves. God, help us to know that the victory comes from Jesus and we will not be victorious without him. God, help us to learn from Peter that even after he denied Jesus three times, God, you allowed him to be the rock that built the church. 
You received a repentant heart, a heart that was never going to deny you again because he was going to go to death because of the gospel. God, thank you for working in this time, moving in this time, that right now we're gathered in many spaces. And Lord, I pray over those spaces that God, you would be the Lord of all of us. That if we don't know you, we've never experienced the love that you have for us. God, that we would experience that today through Jesus Christ. Let us be a model of what 1 John 1.9 looks like. God, let's pray for this week. We just pray over uh, Memorial Day and people being out. God, that you would grant us time with, with friends and family and allow us the great privilege to live with the mission of the church. Let us recalculate. In Jesus' name, amen.